Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about infertility, IVF and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby and we're both card-carrying members of the Infertility Club. Hello. Hi guys, how's it going? Um, How are you mate? I'm actually, um, as you remarked earlier, feeling quite buoyant this morning. You're pretty chirpy. I am pretty chirpy. We just went for a coffee, sun shining, feeling quite good. Um, right. And I had a pint yesterday. A pint? In a in a pub. Oh, well, let me, uh, let me... You're one of the hordes. I'm one of the hordes. I'm one of the whores. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't really a part of a horde and I didn't really plan to go out. It was Super Saturday yesterday, just to catch everyone up. Super Saturday, aka the day that England opened its pub doors again. Um, yes. And we just went for a walk and we didn't intend on going to a pub because I was like, it's madness. There's no way I'm going to a pub. Fuck that. Um, uh-huh. And <laughs> we walked past uh, one of our locals and there was just a nice little table outside with our names on it. And I was like, oh, we could just sit there and have a little drinkies. Um, yeah. So we did. And it was nice. Um, I've got to. I've got to say, I'm getting so cross with all the scorn being poured on people who are doing things that are perfectly legal. So much scorn. But then I just, I mean, yeah. What are people expecting? Do you know what I mean? Like, of course yeah. people went out in their droves last night and got pissed. That's... Yeah. If people shouldn't go to the beach, they should make it a rule that they shouldn't go to the beach. Yes. You can't say it's okay to go to the beach and then get really annoyed when everyone goes to the beach. Yes. This has been my point all along. Um, all of the scorn being poured on joggers was really pissing me off. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know. I can understand both points of view. Also, my father is very much of the uh, scorn pouring um, brigade. So, mm, I mean, you know, there's a lot of scorn pouring going on. Mm. But uh, yeah. and I did actually I put a story up on in, on socials uh, which displayed that I was in a pub. Or well, not in a pub. Uh-huh. I was, let me just clarify. I was outside the pub. I was not in the building. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I instantly felt a bit weird about it because I think I was just like, oh, are people going to judge me? Are people going to think I'm like an idiot for going well, to the pub? You're, I mean, it's it's the law. The law says it's fine. Yeah. The rules say it's fine. Yeah. I wasn't. I don't, I, you know. It's just very confusing. I think, yeah. Also, I kind of felt safe. I felt like I wasn't close to any of the tables. The place wasn't busy. I was sitting outside. We had yeah. one drink and we left. I felt like it was quite safe. It's not you like know? you're out raving in Soho. 
Exactly. And also I had her, heard a GP on BBC Breakfast saying that she was going to the pub this weekend. I was like, well, if the GP is going to the pub this weekend. It must be all right. <laughs> it's good for your mental health to go out and yeah. do things that make you feel normal Just as well. Just a nice refreshing cider, mate. I've mm-hmm. been dreaming of a nice refreshing cider. I love a nice refreshing cider. Yeah. Um, but anyway, sorry, I've whittled on about the pub for long enough. How about you, mate? How are you? Well, um, life is returning to normality and next week I will return to work. Oh which my God. Is, after a year off, is very, very nerve-wracking. Mm, I bet. Um, that's, I mean, I'm very excited. It's a new job, a new start. It's going to be strange starting a new job from home. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. Very, like, because I mean... How are you going to know how people like to take their tea? How are you going to ingratiate yourself by buying biscuits? Yeah, it's all, it's all, it's a whole new world to me. Mm. Um, So we'll see what happens there. But I'm very excited to meet my new colleagues. Mate, I have every, um, every confidence in you. I think you'd be fine. Thanks, pal. I think you'll relish the opportunity. Yeah. It would be nice to, to use that part of my brain again. Exactly. My stepmom, as a side point, used to always tell me if I was writing a cover letter to a new job to use the term relish because it makes people think of food and they, that makes them like think of you um, kindly. Oh, that's very good advice. <laughs> I know. I Never love forgotten it. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. On to the episode? Yes. <laughs> So today we've got an interview with the lovely Will and Charissa from Fertility in Colour. Uh-huh. They're absolutely brilliant. Fertility in Colour is um, it's like an advocate group set up and what they say is because women and men of colour battling recurrent pregnancy loss should not have to do so in shame or isolation. They're another pair of Americans. Yes, we just can't help ourselves, can we? We can't get enough of it at the moment. Um, it's another classic lockdown interview. We've got a air conditioning unit joining us. Oh, nice. Is that because they're based in Texas and it's hot there? Yeah, yeah. It's re- yeah, we were comparing our, like, 30-degree heat with their, like, constant 30-degree heat, mm, basically. Yeah, yeah. We were moaning about um, it and they were like... And on. also trying to convert centigrade into Fahrenheit, which was... It made our brains explode. <laughs> very, very <laughs> difficult. Um, <laughs> And then we've got Professor Tim later on, and he's talking about PGD versus PGS. Oh, I mean, what is that? What is the difference? Well, I can tell you a lot. I, actually, I, he can tell you more, but I, my embryos went through PGD. Of course they did, yeah. Which we'll talk a little bit more about in a minute as well. Awesome. And what um, about the foxes? The foxy foxes? So they're kind of getting ready for what's coming up without giving too much away but they also are um they're kind of reflecting on on what they've had on on their kind of treatments so far and how they've worked out and Mm. and looking ahead it's really i i actually think it's a really nice episode oh lovely jubbly well it's a big it's a big exciting time for them coming up so yeah super exciting super exciting um and that, I just want to say before we launch into our usual social stuff, I just want to um, talk about, so 
people who have listened to this podcast for a long time know that I'm historically quite reluctant to um, promote other people's podcasts because they should only be listening to BFN like on repeat <laughs> while they sleep. <laughs> but there's a really nice podcast that's just come out and it's called Becoming Us. Mm. And it's, mm-hmm. um, it's about infertility, baby loss and child loss from the perspective of four women from black and ethnic minority backgrounds. And that's a phrase they use. Okay. Because I know some people don't like that phrase very much. Um, it's I, I listened to... The, so the first episode's just come out. And I listened to the whole thing. It was about an hour long. And my God, the experiences those women have gone through. Mm. Like, it is... I got quite tearful at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. I, like, if, if that's something that you've experienced, either baby loss or child loss or you feel like those backgrounds aren't especially well represented, then give it a listen. It's really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that just leaves us to say that you should rate and review the podcast if you possibly can. That would be Mm -hmm. lovely. Not you should, but you could. I mean, if you could, it would be lovely. Yeah, it's an option. I'm not going to force you. (laughs) And we'd love it if you hit the subscribe button as well. That would be awesome. And it would also be great if you followed us on social media, particularly our Instagram, which we yeah. are edging ever closer to the 10K mark. Oh, my God. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. You can follow us on at Big Fat Negative. <laughs> yes. Or you can follow us on Twitter. At Big Fat Negative. Or on Facebook. Big Fat Negative. Or you could email us. Big Fat Negative Podcast at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. Enjoy. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah? Yeah. I was just about to break out into the theme tune to Bike then. Uh, but... Oh, you. <laughs> well, you were going to sing it? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I would quite like to hear that. No. Oh. Will I get to hear it later? <laughs> Probably. I'll be singing it throughout the day now. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's something to look forward to, isn't it? Mm. So, um, we asked you a very serious question last week. Who was the foster carer in Biker Grove? Yes, and then I realised that actually this is in Masterley, so we're not going to get this answer for quite some quite a few weeks. So you just Googled it? I did. Should have done that in the first place, if I'm honest. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes it's nice to ask the question, isn't it? Yeah, if I waited for a... Uh... I podcast every time I want to Google something, I'd never get anything done. That's true, you're a busy man. Yep. Busy, busy man. Uh, what have you been up to this week then? Lockdown. Lockdown. Lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. Yeah, so still lockdown in Wales, um, which, you know, I'm trying not to be envious of people who can socially distance and meet for a walk and over the border, but it is proving very difficult. <laughs> Yes, we have been for a few nice walks. We have, we have. Not quite the same though, when you have to walk for at least 20 to 25 minutes through houses and residential area to get to the greenery. Um, It kind of taints it slightly. It does. But there we go, it's like first world problems, isn't it really? Let's be honest. Um, On the clinic front then, any news? Yeah, on the uh, reopening. Well, yes. So. So we're here. We're on the list. Rumor has it. 
We're on the list. I mean, not... Not us specifically. No. No. Our clinic is Our on the list. Our clinic is now on the list. So um, Emma and Gauss have been great in um, publishing the list of clinics that have been allowed to reopen every day because, I don't know about you, but I tried to find it on the uh, HFEA website and I could not find it for love nor money. I don't know what where I was looking. Um, but they very kindly publish it, which is great. So they appeared. The London Women's Clinic Cardiff or Wales, appeared on the list. And I have to say, I gave a little squeak of excitement. Kalu Kalei. Kalu Kalei, indeed. Um, they have sent an email as well, which says that they're not actually starting any treatment until the 1st of June. Um, and there's still not much indication as to how they're going to prioritise treatment um, or where we would come in that list, I guess. But it's a step in the right direction. Indeed. Obviously, I rang them yep. straight away. Left a voicemail. Yep. Haven't Standard. heard anything back yet. Not surprised. <laughs> um, I think I just want to know where I stand, really. Especially because I'm not I'm not desperate, desperate to start. Um, and I'm also very kind of conscious that there are people out there who are in a like have should have priority over me i think i don't know what you think about that yeah i agree do you yeah have you even thought about it i have have you yeah. go on then hand me that pot of shame and let's get started <laughs> um yeah because i just think there are so many ladies obviously who had cycle cycles cancelled and things um that it's only right that they go yeah. before us. Indeed. Also, we're not under so much time pressure because um, we've secured secured the eggs. So that's good. Um, and obviously it's of a person who's much younger than me, so in terms of my age, that's not adding to any kind of urgency yeah. really. Um, Time is not quite of the essence. No. Um, the other thing that I realised from reading an email that I'd had from them a little while ago as well was that they would need us to redo all the blood tests. Now, we know what happened the last time when we did blood tests and it all went a bit tits up, as in it just took a lot, lot longer than we thought and we didn't get the results back and it just delayed everything. Um but obviously in this scenario, not only would we have to retake the tests, but they would also cost us money. Um, and in order to try and avoid it costing us any more money than it already has, I have sent off to the NHS requesting our notes. Um, because there was an indication in the email that actually the results of those blood tests would be... Sufficient. Sufficient. Which is great and would save us I'm not even too sure how much money because um, I don't think that they were included in the cost for the initial consultation in fact I might check that give them another call just give them another ring yeah, yeah. just keep ringing every day me again Plot your number <laughs> um, I think we just got some questions haven't we yeah it might be nice to speak to someone like, just how it's going to work. I don't necessarily want to schedule anything right now because obviously I understand that that's going to be 
may may not be possible um but i definitely feel like i want to just get a bit more info from a few people um have got the our doctor's email address so did you steal it i might start bombarding it with it's not a personal email address is it i don't think so good do you think she'd do a Zoom chat with me? Maybe she'd do a Zoom quiz with me one yeah. night. Do you think our relationship is at that level? Probably. <laughs> I mean, she has seen parts of me that not very many people have seen. So, you know, surely that brings a, a closeness. No? That restraining order certainly doesn't. <laughs> yeah, so it's sort of news, but not news really, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, it's just that... A step in the right direction, I suppose. It's um, it's nice to know that the option is there, but I still don't think that it's going to happen that soon. Hmm. Yeah, I think I just see what happens from the first of June, I suppose. Yeah, I just for more news. Yeah, I think it's like it's weird because. I'm still in a sort of like a bit of a delay about how I feel about it. Like I'm, so I was chatting to Jen um, the other day and she was sort of saying to me, look, if you are delaying treatment because you're like scared to proceed um, and you don't want to put yourself in that situation because of, you know, fear, she said, you need to overcome that. Yeah, we did have that conversation not long when we were out on the walk, didn't we? Saying, um, we did, yeah. You don't want to get your hopes up again. No. That's the scary bit. It is. And I think, you know, as we've said before, this is definitely like a last, last chance saloon, really. Mm. Or at least these, you know, 11 eggs that we've got in the bag. Never thought I'd say that after the first yeah. couple of rounds of IVF. Um, really do reflect... The last thing that we will do as far as, you know, IVF is concerned. I just want to get some successful fertilizations <laughs> and then that's one step yeah. further. Yeah. It's really difficult, isn't it? Because you almost like can't even visualize the end goal. No. Because we've had so many roadblocks. So you like you just kind of celebrate in the little wins. Yeah. Um, but even all of those little wins may not add up to overall success um i think it was it was a bit like when you decide to take do ivf for the first time if you are oh, that's that sort of then we we just get a little help from science and you have a child and that's what feels a bit like oh we we made super donor eggs now our chances are much better it definitely yeah and you don't want that difficult come down no, and I think I am really trying my hardest not to allow myself to feel that way. Yeah, but it's given... a bit of a balance. You don't want to be pessimistic, but you don't want to be optimistic either. So you no. want to just go down the middle. And it's such, an, it's such a major change that you can't help but think, surely this is going to be the thing. Yeah. Um, And it's all about protecting your heart, really, isn't it? Yeah. But equally, like you say, not becoming too pessimistic because if you were that pessimistic about it, why are you doing it in the first place? Yeah, I can't, I can't remember who said, but 
Whatever happens, whether you're optimistic or pessimistic, you're still going to be really disappointed if it doesn't work, so you might as well be optimistic about it. Yeah. Was it me that said that? I don't think it was. I think you passed the message on. I think it, yeah, I'm sure it was from somebody else, actually, who, far wiser than I. Um, But I think that's right. And it's really interesting because I remember having chats with Emma um, when she was in her two-week wait, actually. Um, And she like like me was feeling you know at the time was trying not to kind of be in that hope zone um because and and was kind of getting a lot of um feedback from people sort of saying oh you must be positive you must be positive and i think a lot of the um you know commentary um, from people maybe outside of the community is oh you know positive thoughts think positively and I think like you say regardless of you you thinking positively or negatively that's not necessarily going to control the outcome but it may help to almost curtail your feelings towards the outcome but equally it's such a gamble that you just don't know which way that's going to go so I think you're right in what you say. You just kind of have to feel what you feel because... I remember the first one and only time we've got to transfer stage and like when it, just after the transfer, you're kind of buzzing straight after, aren't you? Oh, massive. After Mackie D's for my yeah. fries, absolutely loving life we were. You know, like those kind of couple of hours when we were like, you know, actually pregnant with you know our little fox brio and it was amazing but it went downhill really yeah we quickly. went to the beach that was that was really nice yeah we did and we've got a lovely photograph i mean it's really weird isn't it to think about i don't know like it sounds like it's a really bizarre thing to say like it was a picture of the three of us it kind of was i suppose and i like to think of it that way yeah but people who maybe aren't in our situation might think that's a bit odd hmm and even though, like, obviously the Fox Bureau didn't stick around, it still felt really special to have yeah. that moment of the three of us, even, you know, for those for that short time. Um, it's just that, that last part of the two weeks where you again, I don't think this has worked, in my heart, I don't think this has worked. No, and I, it's really weird, actually, because, so, you know, in order to become a chartered surveyor and um, you might think I'm going completely off tangent here but in order to become a chartered surveyor you have to sit an interview um which is quite an, quite an intense interview it's about an hour long and I remember coming out of that interview and being like to you I've absolutely failed that is terrible I can't believe it you took me off for a gin and I passed and that was amazing and then I can remember you know, going to university and thinking, oh gosh, I've done really badly in my degree because I hadn't really applied myself that much and I got through. So it's almost like every single time previously I've been able to, I've thought negatively of something or have kind of thought, oh, I haven't really done that well and it's worked or it's it's become good. But this was the one thing that I thought it hadn't worked because I was probably protecting my heart and actually, I was right. Um, I can remember going into by the pregnancy tests and felt a bit like a fraud. I felt like a massive fraud. Absolutely massive. I felt so, so... I, I should, like, 
just really conscious about what we were doing and how people would think and it's just it was horrible absolutely horrendous I think I felt because I felt people thinking we're just a normal couple going to pregnancy test yeah I guess so they yeah. have a good reason to think they might be pregnant because they don't have any fertility problems yeah and you think well we do this is a bit of a different this, the odds aren't necessarily in our favour like everyone else no and it was a huge it was a huge step wasn't it like we didn't do it until right at the end day before didn't we yeah it's funny like looking back and kind of thinking about that time knowing that we're probably about well we're about to go through it again within the next few months hopefully um do you feel more prepared for it this time around I don't know I don't know if you ever feel that prepared for it uh, um I think it's been good that we've had because considering the other two were so close together it's probably been good to have a little bit of a a break for how long has it been now? About six months? Yeah, about six or seven months, yeah. It's funny, like, it, some of the things I think I've forgotten, some of the things I've probably, in terms of how I felt and my emotions, I mean, obviously I haven't forgotten the you know the process that we went through, but I think some of my emotions maybe have dulled a little bit and I'm worried that I'm going to get a bit of a nasty shock. Mm. when we go back into it um, I remember not being that affected necessarily by the medications when we did our frozen embryo transfer Um, I don't know if that's the same every time but I don't know it's I kind of I don't think of it necessarily with rose tinted glasses but I definitely feel that because it's something that I know and something that I've done that part of it isn't going to be a big deal when actually I know when I'm in it it is going to be the biggest deal and it I'm going to be all over the place so yeah it's weird because it must be like two years ago now since we had our very first like consultations yeah I think it was I think it was it's a funny old journey isn't it and it's weird because when you're in it and you're waiting for things to happen, time feels like it's gone so slowly. But looking back on it, it feels just as, as if it's gone in the blink of an eye. Mm. I think especially because realistically, it all happened last year. It's just we started all the actual transfers. Yeah. I think the actual transfer feels like ages ago. The other two, although it was all the same year, feels like it happened much later. Yeah. And it, it didn't really go anywhere, so it was a bit of a, a start and a fail. Yeah. And I think, you know, like you say, it's that concern about history repeating itself, really, isn't it? Um, even though we know we've we've made a major change by getting the donor eggs, and I hope that that's not the case. Um, and we've not been led to believe that that would be the case at all um, from, you know, the, the sort of test results that, have, that we've had, so... Yeah, so basically, uh, next week I'm going to just keep pestering my clinic and um, might give my give my consultant a little email, cheeky email, just check in how she's doing and uh, see if we can get some answers to our questions and at least hopefully some degree of timeline as to when the things are going to kick off. Um, yeah, so hopefully have a bit more of an update for you guys next week. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Anyway, take care. 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We always start our interviews by asking people, and I'm a bit embarrassed to do it when I'm speaking to people from America, uh-huh. but I'm going to do it anyway. We ask people about their journey. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell us about yours? <laughs> so we met in 1999. I actually lived in London, England. Um, I was there until the age of nine, um, born and raised. Oh. Um, grew up in Croydon. Um, oh, wow. Born in Lucian, so yeah. So I came oh. to the United States in 95. Um, I met him in 99 in what we would call middle school um, at the end of that. And... Um, Essentially, we became best friends in high school. So from high school all the way through, we became best friends. Tried to date a little bit in college. It failed terribly. Um, And then then we reconnected in 2012 and got married in Uh 2014. Um, Oh, wow. So that's our story in a nutshell. We've known each other Uh for more than half of our lives. (laughs) She's still here. And yeah. And... um, (laughs) And then so we, shortly after we became uh, married, we decided that we wanted to start our family. Uh, well, we, we had the okay. conversation around the July-August time frame in 2015. Okay. And then, um, yeah, we unfortunately had our first loss in December of 2015, right after coming back from a extend, or our delayed honeymoon vacation mm. uh, from the previous, or from earlier that year. Oh. And so... That's that was the start of our of our journey. Um, yeah, we've, yeah. So sorry. We've had, we've had four additional losses since then, spanning from that time um, to as early. The most recent was April of 2019. It's been a journey, but we've there. We look at there's there's silver lining in the midst of of the darkness, and in regards to how we've developed and grown individually together. Um, just with our own family and our own home. And so 
you know, it's not mm-hmm. not the ideal situation. However, mm, um, no. I think I know personally we say it to each other all the time that we wouldn't want to do this with without one another. And so because mm, we've developed yeah. such a strong friendship early on, we it, it's helped t- tremendously in this yeah, in the journey. Right. But we've yeah. we've grown a lot. And we're still we're still we're not all we're not out of it. Yeah. But we had yeah. a where we look back over the four and a half years to this point and we you know, we look back and we we're just in awe of just one, our faith and, and how God's kept us and two just how we've stayed strong together. There have been weak moments mm. but we've mm-hmm. we've mm. grown together in this. And so um your your losses that you've had have they all been quite similar and the kind of when they've happened or like and do doctors know have they given you a diagnosis of why it might be happening Ugh, well it's a mess until re- up until recently so we um i see i saw a reproductive immunologist in april of this year okay. so it's been we're still uh-huh. in the thick of it um our miscarriages not have not been the same in the sense that um, our first loss was a mis- miscarriage, um, which essentially like my body didn't recognize that I had miscarried. We went, we came back from vacation, um, and mm-hmm. we learned that like there were no signs that anything had happened or went wrong. So um, we showed up to that appointment, our first ultrasound ever, and um, were informed that we had lost our child or that it had, it had already passed already passed um and then we went to get a second opinion um and basically was just told that you know this is common miscarriage happens Mm -hmm. one in four the numbers are like this is really like it probably won't happen again just keep trying um the good news is you can get pregnant is how that left off so oh yeah we love that we love that yeah so we took about 13 months off before trying again and mustering up the strength to try and go through it again um uh-huh. That miscarriage was not similar in the sense that it was a chemical pregnancy. So I was I should have been about nine weeks um, when we first miscarried, and um, after that it was just a string of chemical pregnancies. Um, so our third loss, actually, I take that back. We were able to actually hear the heartbeat um, and see hear and see the heartbeat. Um, but that also ended in a miscarriage around seven, I should have been around eight weeks, it ended around seven weeks. So after that, we had two more chemicals um, around the same period of time, like find out that I have a pro- take pro- positive pregnancy test, take the urine test, go to the doctors, have that whole nine yards, mm-hmm. and then we're not able to get past that point. Um, so we were just told that this was common to keep trying, that it was good that we could get pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. And for a long time, we believed that. For yeah. four and a half yeah. years, almost, we believed that. Wow. So, and so, you know, when when did people start taking you a bit more seriously? Because being told it's common, obviously, that's that's not helping, and that's not getting any answers for you guys. That's a good question. We, when they started taking us more serious, was probably starting around our third loss in September of 2017, because it it was a bit more dramatic seeing the heartbeat and seeing members you know picturing mm-hmm. that flutter and then that's when her, her, her ob i believe was that time recommended us to go to see an ivf or fertility clinic where it specializes in ivf okay. and 
even with that consultation, we left um, basically with the notion that he was saying, I don't think you guys need this. You're healthy. You're young. I don't think this is going to be the this is the time for you. And I would suggest mm-hmm. you keep trying. And so, yeah, it, it, to take us serious is one thing, but it's, we still left with the same answer. Do you find that quite frustrating when people say you're healthy or young? At least you can get pregnant. Like they're, they're kind of at some point they become cliches, right? Makes it feel like you're uh, like they're just used to saying those things, right? Like you're just mm, uh-huh. another patient experiencing another loss and they don't have an answer for you. And it makes you feel like they don't want to invest in you as an individual, as a family and in your family and you're growing your family. Yeah. And so the mm, simple answer yeah. and the cookie cutter answer is, you know, keep trying. You're young and healthy. We can't, we don't see anything wrong with you. But then you look at it in hindsight, they hadn't done anything to see anything. Yeah. And so how could you make that determination based on kind of the standard protocol? Yeah, so our blood pressure is okay. Our, you know what I mean? We're our healthy weight and, and all that. What, what else more, though, at that point could you have gone off of? So you're a reproductive immunologist. What does that entail exactly? Reproductive immunologist basically looks at the immune system and instead of doing a partial investigation, which is what I would consider um, what both of our REs were willing to do, um, they Mm -hmm. look a little more outside of the box and are willing to look at um, blood clotting factors, immune system issues, um, infections and things of that sort that may be contributing to losses in, um, in pregnancy. So to go back to what Will was saying, like we would completely um, advise everyone who's listening not to wait like they tell you until the third time or until the fourth time or the fifth time. Um, Knowing what we know now, I would never tell anyone to wait and do what we have done, um, which is why we are so passionate about sharing. But yeah, the reproductive immunologist, it's been, it's been a process. And to go back to your question of asking us, when did they start taking us seriously? They didn't start taking us seriously until my attitude and advocacy changed. Um, mm. It essentially got to the point where I had to, uh, I knew that there was, that I needed to do my own research because what Will had said is essentially like when I came home and we were just like, you know what, these doctors are not going to take us outside of a protocol and actually investigate and really take the time to look at the both of us. Um, to give you an example, they didn't even ask Will to do uh, or provide any samples, semen samples, up until I think the fourth year. So what? I had earlier on, I yeah. had asked, um, I had asked my doctor after I think the second or third loss. I said, "Do did you know like should we start looking at my husband?" And his response mm. was, "No, you're getting pregnant." Um, So I don't think that that is an issue. You're getting pregnant. I don't think you need a HSG. You're getting pregnant. So this is not an issue. Like it was just like, keep trying. This eventually will stop happening. I can't promise you when, but I can promise you that you will have a baby. Or or, or I've seen women have more miscarriages and then bam, they get pregnant. uh, Yeah. That's not helpful. That was a good one. It's not helpful Oh, you've seen women have more tragedy than this. Thanks. Yes. Yeah. 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 And you're in the moment, right? So you can't even take, you don't even, it's almost like you don't even realize what they're saying or the magnitude Mm. of of carelessness in their words until Mm. after you leave or months later, it was like, wait a second, did did they just say that? Yeah. Yeah. You don't really realize how insensitive they're being. 
Yes. Right. Minimizes your your pain as right. if you like, you know, what you, why are you guys even upset? This is so common. Like just yes. get through it well, kind it's of even, thing. Actually even worse with the chemical pregnancies, so they don't they won't even validate them yeah. as a um, loss. And it's like but but you didn't ex- you didn't see that positive test. You didn't get that excitement. You didn't you're not the mom who's experiencing the symptoms yeah. and then all of a sudden you have to tell you're 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 you don't or you're told that it, you're not pregnant anymore and it's like you don't have to walk through that you just you can stand there and receive it but it means yeah. nothing to you yeah and so it's a battle from the very beginning yeah so Sharisa, you said you said it changed when your advocacy changed what does that mean um i just i became aware i guess i could say that the fog was removed of feeling like you know one being traumatized and kind of just taking what the doctor says and saying okay like i'll take time i'll, I'll allow myself to process um mm-hmm. and it removed it went from that to i need to investigate i know my body i know what's what what i'm going through um i know signs and symptoms that are that are bothering me that they are not willing mm-hmm. to investigate things that they are not willing to look at so once i started to research and do my own um, research essentially I could go back to my doctors and challenge them whereas before mm. I wasn't I was just going and I was just a patient who would listen and you know take whatever medicine or whatever you would prescribe and that would yeah. be fine and once the fog was removed for me to realize like wait you have to fight for your children like you're literally going to have to fight for them to pay attention for them to um, get you the tests that you need like you are going to you are responsible for that because if you continue to do what you've been doing you're going to continue on this path of not finding any answers and continuing Mm. to miscarry and I got to a place where it was just like enough is enough you are not going to tell me one more time any more times that this is just something common and that this is something that I should be willing to do like how dare you and so once I grew in that way um, Mm -hmm. I was able to better I felt like defend myself essentially is what I needed to do. And that was when everything started to shift because it was like, I would challenge you. Why have you not given me, why have you not given me an endometrial biopsy? Why did I not know about this? Why do I, why were, why did you not advise me to take progesterone? Why am I having to read and tell you that this is something that you should have done? Why was this never offered to me after I've had four miscarriages? Why was this never, you know, even given to me as an option? And so once those conversation started changing in appointments I feel like is when things really started to shift and I essentially just got to a place where it was like tell me what you're willing to do and tell me what you're not willing to do therefore I where I so I know not to waste my time with you mm-hmm. and it, I, it had to be that frank because you know because I, we would still be on this journey doing what they said so at what point did you decide to start fertility in color we decided to start sharing our story um, in April of 2019. So Fertility and Color came about in October of 2019. Um, We always knew very early on that we were going to share our story, but we didn't know to the capacity at which we are doing now. But it took Mm -hmm. a long time for us to um, get get out of our own way and be willing to speak out. Um, We didn't with maybe told a handful of people what we were going through but after the first few we stopped telling anyone um even our parents you know we got to a point where it was just like why like what's what's the point 
Um, so we went through mm. that a long time, went through a, a huge like grieving and just depressive state. And then out of that, we knew that we needed to start this because we were struggling and suffering and felt like there was no support that we were finding or receiving, uh-huh. um, especially regarding empathy. And so that's why Fertility mm. and Color came about. Can I just and compliment you, by the way, on your choice to use the letter U in that? <laughs> <laughs> from my UK background I wanted to for sure represent yeah that was intentionally done you nod to your British upbringing <laughs> amazing yeah so you called it fertility in colour was that because you guys had perceived that there weren't people in your community speaking about miscarriage is it uh you know is there a taboo in the black community that's that's stronger than than elsewhere or what you know what was the thinking behind that initially it was because i didn't know anyone that was of um black or african descent that was speaking out openly about what they were going through um i had zero social media nothing so for again the first three and a half years there was no knowing of podcasts no knowing of anything Um, And it wasn't until I started sharing um, personally that some women did come out and start saying, you know, I I did miscarry too last year. I did this. I did that. Um, But it was intentionally done because I didn't see myself anywhere. And then when I got on social media, it was even worse. It was like, okay, women actually do exist and they are openly speaking about this. But where are black women speaking out about this? Mm -hmm. Um, And then my husband being Hispanic and us considering ourselves a biracial couple like we were we were aware that there were stigmas in both of our cultures that would keep yeah. us from talking openly mm. about what was happening. And mm. we were like, hell no. Like, it's bad enough that you have to go through recurrent pregnancy loss. But mm-hmm. then to be silenced um, by people not supporting or not understanding and not knowing, we knew that we would have to be willing to speak in order to educate and in order to support. Yeah, and then, and then from the men, right, you saw, you didn't see men, period. Right. And then when you did, they weren't brown or black. Right. So it it was. And again, being a Hispanic male, I immediately went to look that route. Uh I I, to this day, openly, I I don't know of any Hispanic men that I know of are speaking. There may be one or two that I can think of off the top of my head Mm. that are speaking. Uh There are more black men, which I'm happy about as well. I'm very happy about that, that are speaking and being more open about it. and we're we're I'm getting in contact with partners who are speaking on behalf of their on their partners. Yeah. Um so that's it's slowly starting to see it, but yeah, it was it was even less from a male perspective. And it's like, well wait a second, we're I, I know I'm dealing with this, so I, uh-huh. I've got to imagine there are other men that are dealing yeah. with this. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like so it's not happening. Yeah. You said there that there are taboos from both cultures. What effect did those taboos have on your reaction to your losses? first it was who do we tell uh-huh. right so the first I remember driving home from the hospital the first time and it's like well do you want to make the calls and we had told a handful of people and so again it was like Sharissa said if we got to the point where it's like well what's the point of speaking right we're already we knew we had we had, there was the embarrassment of having to share and, and I say embarrassment cause I can't think of a better word where you, you share yeah. this excitement and then you have to backpedal and say, well, yeah. 
it's not really the case and this is actually what happened yeah. and then it got to the point where we didn't want to hear people's responses because people didn't know how to respond then the, again mm. this was the, the difference between signing someone who's sympathetic versus empathetic and so the taboo is then then you revert back to your default and what you're taught of well you're gonna mm-hmm. keep it in your home so then you're staying quiet so then it was like well we shouldn't share as it is and then we went back to the fact that well, we're just we're gonna be private and so it's gonna stay between us and maybe our parents and we're gonna we're gonna leave it there, and so you have to. You're, you're toying with yourself, right? Because you want to share, because you want support, but then you don't feel comfortable doing it because you're not knowing of other people that are doing it. You're not then receiving the support you need when you do share, share eventually. Mm. So now mm-hmm. it's, you know, and then top of the fact that again, you're, are you thinking is it just me? Am I alone in this? Or are there others? And so you're battling. At least for yeah. me, you're battling all these different things. And again, because you don't know now of your of other people that are sharing, now you start questioning: well, Should I have told? Should I have even announced it at you know from a, the first onset of of a pregnancy test? Maybe we shouldn't share on this. Maybe you know we'll just deal with it on our own. Why do you think that um, taboo exists? Like, is it something other than you know it's a difficult thing to talk about? Is there something cultural that that makes that difference, or is it just that you know it is a hard thing to talk about? I think there's many factors. I would say one is that culturally, similar to what Will said, you're taught that we celebrate kids, we don't grieve them, right? So I know that's what we've experienced personally, but I think globally, like that's a common response within Mm. miscarriage and recurrent pregnancy loss that, you Mm. know, people are willing to celebrate, but they're not willing to grieve with you. Um, And I was taught, and I think the model is that you you are strong, like you are taught to be strong, right? It's not just men that are taught to suck it up. And even from what the doctors were saying, like, this is just common, just come on. Even, you know, going back to the doctors after a while, will be like, where is this gap? Why is there a gap between this time that you and him have tried to conceive again? And we're like, because we're taking a break, like because my my body and my mental um, need a break from from trying i'm not a robot and so i think we're taught to just be strong be silent um and not communicate what we're really going through not show Mm -hmm. signs of mental illness not show signs of grief um and so that i think definitely is a taboo within the black and brown community um but i also think that there's learning again and and seeing research and seeing what's happening now in our current climate especially in the united states i would say that there's a mistrust with the medical system and that's going from back to tuskegee that there's you know so there could be many of reasons why um and medical bias that are against us women dying at triple the rate Mm -hmm. a fifth of the rate of what they should be um Mm -hmm due to racism and bias that's even within the medical system. So I think there's many reasons why people stay silent or why they don't get the help that they need. Um, but they're all yeah. Yeah, I think they're it, all dangerous. I think it lends to the adversity piece, right? We've been we've been fighting adversity because of how we look or for centuries and generations, right? So you just continue to breed the men the mentality of, well, I'm not gonna I'm not going to trust the doctor or maybe the doctor doesn't or or on the flip side, you're going to follow yeah. solely what the doctor says and just accept it for what it is. But you keep pushing through because we're taught to always push through the adversity. Um, yeah. And so you just kind of keep you keep going. I think there was um, we interviewed one woman who said she didn't want to be the pushy black woman 
that it's, yeah that too yeah. there's a programming that happens that you're not even aware of like, yeah. so, so uh-huh. subconscious or unconsciously you start doing these things and you stay silent and then you you don't even want to have the conversation of telling a doctor well i'm going to go seek a second opinion mm-hmm. right to, to see i mean we had an, a neurology appointment where we 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 laughed afterwards but we had to be very firm with a resident because i'm like you had me fill out a 30 page intro package before and then you asked me when i get there what's your story and then you're not the way you're treating me is as if I never had, I, like, I never filled yeah. out anything or prepared. So now you have to, now you're showing yeah. me you weren't ready. Yeah. So you weren't ready f- to receive me. So now, but, but when I get mad, now how are you perceiving me? Now my now I'm fitting a stereotype, right? And now, and we, we go to appointments together. So we, then we feed off each other. So then I see her look and vice versa. And we try to, we, we're like delicately playing off one another to be yeah. almost good cop bad cop but again are we being labeled are we being stereotyped for how we look from the moment we step through the door i mean it's just it's not the way it should be man you shouldn't have to fight that hard to get the herd yeah. it's ridiculous yeah. so you guys have it talked is. about um you've, you've both talked about your strong faith in god um was that has that ever been shaken by the experiences you've been through i know for me there was a significant shaking of my faith in my foundation and so uh-huh. Part of that, I feel like, attributed to the fact <clears throat> it hit me the hardest in our third loss in 2017. And I think at that point, it, there was a couple of things. The significance of the timing, it happened on my birthday. And the, on the other side of it, it's like my mind and my heart finally caught up with one another. And I just stopped and it hit the grief hit. And so at that point, I got angry. I got really angry. And it mm. was like, God, you're supposed to be celebrating life today. And now we have to celebrate a loss of another child. And at this point, you start thinking back, like, listen, we, we're living right. We, you know, and, I, and I go back to the surface Christian stuff. So we live right. We're doing the right thing. We have this, this storybook you know, start to our, our life story with one another. And yet this is now we get hung up on this in this situation where we can't bring children into this world. Mm-hmm. Why? Like, why are we doing this? And then I didn't. And then the flip side, I didn't want to hear people telling me, well, I'm going to pray for you. That was the last thing I wanted somebody to say, right? I know they meant it majority of the time in a in a sensitive way. But it's like, I don't I don't need your prayers. I need you to just sit here and just walk with me through this, right? Yeah. Like, I can pray and talk to God all day, right? And yeah, you want to, pr- you want to pray on, on my behalf? Fine. But that's not what I want to hear. And Or we get the, you know, it's going to happen. God has a plan. It's like, wait a second. Where, since when do we turn into these surface level Christians where this is like, it's much deeper than this. So I was going personally, I was going through a really tough time mm-hmm. with that. And it's like, I don't, I don't want to, even my, my look at people, the way I looked at and treated people was just totally different. And I think it stemmed from a lot of it was not dealing with it myself and not understanding that at that point, having not previously stopped to cope, it just overflowed now and I couldn't stop it. So I couldn't control my reactive nature to certain things and i wasn't like volatile but i wasn't i wasn't myself has your faith ever helped you get through it as well would you say that you know you you've had moments that have kind of shaken the foundations of it but has it also helped you to kind of accept what's happening we were definitely we both responded completely opposite to one another so he struggled um and deflected i think and mm-hmm. i immediately went into my faith like i knew that 
this was going to be a journey, I feel like, from the first time. And it was just like my immediate response was to go into my faith, was to, to look in the Bible, to find women that were like me, find people that I could relate to, find hope, um, yeah. something to hold on to, something to cling to, because I knew that I was in a dark place. I knew that we were we were in a dark place. I didn't know that recurrent pregnancy loss was going to become a thing. But um, the moment I found out I was pregnant, I prayed. And the moment I found out I lost my child, I feel like I prayed. And I, and I just wept and I broke down and I because of the silence because of not speaking I felt like the one person that I knew that I could depend on the only person that I knew that I could depend on um outside of my husband was God so Mm -hmm. in many ways it definitely has strengthened me it's um it is why fertility and color exists actually um Mm -hmm. because I feel like it is something that God wanted me specifically to do Mm um and yeah like I I wouldn't be where I am as an individual if it wasn't for my faith because it's been a very dark dark road for us the past five years and so what you know what has the reaction been like to that how you know how has it been perceived I think overall it's been received well I feel like once it's we were just thinking about this the other day where it was once so when we first started Fertility and Color was launched and the Fertility and Color men piece finally was able to get off the ground after I finished school mm-hmm. we it was a different force. And so I think the silver lining of some of the COVID quarantine times is we had more time to look at our our presence, right? So yeah. how do we promote our organization? Well, we let's start with social media. And so we came mm-hmm. at it now from a, from, diff, from both angles with a, with a vengeance, I wanna say, and really from the National Fertility Awareness Week and the Black Maternal Health Awareness Weeks, we were embraced and we found a flurry of uh, other organizations. Um, some people just having accounts, some people actually building nonprofits or, or other organizations that were for right. profit, supporting black and brown families and communities dealing with infertility. So I think we, we were embraced by yeah. many people and we've developed relationships and partnerships with people now that, you know, just three and a half, four months ago weren't, were non-existent. And so that to have that support and the uplifting of one another, and even outside of the black and brown community, we've we've been embraced, um, mm. which is a positive, and I think lends to the purpose of why we're doing this. Yeah. There's one thing to be said for the infertility community is that they are a very embracing group of people. There's no one's mean. Right. Yeah. yeah. But what also what you're doing, you know, it's probably a lifeline to a lot of people that you don't even know about yet. You know, because because of that that silence is a is a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, on an individual level, it's been great because we started out um, as a small group, actually, that we offered at a church that we were attending um, before we moved. And um, I've been able to connect with many women um, on a personal level and some couples. Mm -hmm. But we started out with women, um, being that my husband was still in school, and to walk with women through what they're going through and actually receive like a breath of relief that someone else exists that's going through what I've gone through, especially um, being that 1% of women experience three or more losses. It's very, like, it's not just infertility. It's not just IVF. It's actually then recurrent pregnancy loss on an Mm -hmm. island by itself. And so that is what Fertility and Color specifically wanted to hone in on was the people that are the 1% that are forgotten because there isn't enough research going towards recurrent pregnancy loss. Um, so for me, and I know, I believe for others, it has been a blessing to know that there are people that are looking to raise the level of respect that recurrent pregnancy loss is given. I wanted to ask you, I thought it was really interesting that you said that, that 
there are sympathetic responses and there are empathetic responses. So could you give an example of each? A sympathetic response is, I'm sorry for your loss. An empathetic response is, I've been where you, I, I heard your story. I've experienced my own level of that and just know that I'm here for you and I'm, I'm mm. walking through this with you are two mm. different responses than just the, you know, different than just to get I'm sorry. <laughs> Guys, it's been so great to have you guys, have you both on. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having us. Thank Appreciate you. this. Yeah, no, thanks, guys. Now it's time for IVF. What the f? What the f? I'm glad that you did the sing song there. <laughs> yeah, it's basically a jingle now, isn't it? It is a jingle. It's a pretty basic jingle, but a jingle nonetheless. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um. Emma, I think I think this one's yours, really. I'll, I'll lead the charge on this one. Um, we're talking about PGD versus PGS, or PGD yes. and PGS, not versus. Neither of which I have any experience of. So they stand for pre-implantation genetic diagnosis and pre-implantation genetic screening. Ooh. Although, as Professor Tim will explain, those terms have now stopped being used. Oh, there's now other terms uh, oh. no, or other acronyms. Oh yeah. no. Um, kind of confusing but anyway I'll, I'll talk about my experience um, we had PGD on our embryos Very because good. my husband is the carrier of something called Robertsonian translocation which is where your chromosomes don't quite match up right. um, and it can lead to a baby well it's, it gives you a higher chance of conceiving a baby with Down syndrome and it gives you a higher chance of miscarrying mm. so and that's why we were able to access IVF quite quickly because mm-hmm. before we started trying, we had been referred for IVF. Can I ask, did Don always know that that was something he had? How did he know? He was actually tested when he was in utero. So his oh, mum wow. had an amniocentesis. So when we got to, um, basically when we started trying for a baby, his cousin, who is also a carrier and really had trouble um conceiving mm. or carrying a child um suggested that we get in touch with our gp and get referred for genetic counseling okay just in case we needed it mm-hmm. we, uh, we did um so he, basically he had to go he had to find the letter that his the doctor had written when he was in his mother's womb wow um that said that he he was the carrier of this condition Holy moly. Yeah, which it was kind of a stroke of luck that they managed to find it. Yeah. For very much a stroke of luck. My family would not have been able to find that letter. <laughs> I, don't, I can't remember how we found it. I can't remember whether the doctor still had it or... Yeah. Was it what, locked away what in a chest was. in the basement Yeah, somewhere? I think it was that kind of situation. It took us a long time to find it, but his mum was super helpful. Oh, that's, um, that's good. Yeah, because obviously she'd had to deal with this. Mm. Um, so w- what it meant was that our our embryos were screened for this this exact thing. So they couldn't screen for other things. Like I mentioned during when we were first talking about it that I had autism in my family and they were like, we can't screen for that. And I was like, is that because no one can screen for that? And they were like, yes. But they will only screen for that one condition that you know you have. Mm-hmm. Whereas PGS is screening for any kind of chromosomal disorder that could be contributing to more miscarriages or something like that. Right, so that's something that they're likely to recommend if you've had um, if you've had a number of miscarriages, right? Well, if you go to the HFEA's website, 
um, and that is the kind of body that governs IVF and fertility treatment in the UK. Mm. Um, they have a kind of traffic light system of um, add-on procedures and things that you can do or things that clinics will offer you. And PGS is actually red. Oh, wow. On the traffic light system. Okay. So, um, I mean, obviously, clinics offer that for a reason and it may be that it has helped some people, but just so you all know, the HFEA says no. Right, okay. Well, what does Professor Tim say? Ah, now let's find out. So PGD stands for pre-implantation genetic diagnosis and PGS is pre-implantation genetic screening. And these are techniques that have been around for nearly 30 years or so now, we actually have been pioneered in the UK. And what they involve is, is um, going through an IVF cycle, making embryos, and then biopsying the embryos to remove a few cells, and then genetically analysing those cells to see whether the embryo that the cells came from is affected by a genetic condition at all, and that's PGD, or whether the embryo has the correct number of chromosomes within, and that's PGS. So they are similar techniques but they're done for different reasons. So PGD is done for situations where the patients have um, an inherited condition, so cystic fibrosis, muscular dystrophy, and there are hundreds of different conditions that can be tested for now. So PGD is done to try and avoid passing on a genetic condition to a child. PGS is done for situations um, for people who do not have an inherited condition, PGS is being done to see whether we can select embryos that have the right number of chromosomes in and therefore just transfer those embryos with the aim of improving the chance of, of IVF working generally. So for PGD, the one for inherited conditions, there's no real controversy over that as long as you're ethically okay with biopsying embryos or selecting embryos. There, there, there's, you know, it's, it's been around for a long time and we know that it can... Um, help build families uh, avoiding the birth, if that couple want, avoiding the birth of children with severe genetic conditions. Uh, And one thing to say there is we can only do PGD for a genetic condition if the HFEA allow it. So we have to actually apply to the HFEA for a licence every time that uh, we're doing PGD for a new genetic condition in the UK. PGS, though, Um, has some controversy surrounding it. And if you look at the hfea.gov.uk website, there's a page there on treatment add-ons and they have a traffic light system. Uh, And currently PGS is actually a red traffic light on that. It suggests that PGS is not not done. And that's because studies that have been done to date have been fairly conflicting on whether adding in PGS to a normal IVF cycle results in more babies being born compared to just doing a normal IVF cycle without PGS. And different clinics, different fertility specialists will have different views on this. It's probably fair to say that for many couples, many people, there is no benefit in adding PGS in. So particularly for younger people, people producing um, good quality embryos, people who've not had a number of miscarriages or a number of failed IVF cycles, my view would be there would be no reason to be adding PGS in at all. It just adds an extra cost and complexity and extra techniques. If, though, the woman being treated is older, so maybe late 
you know, very late 30s into 40s and is producing good numbers of embryos and maybe has had a number of failed cycles or miscarriages, then there may be some benefit in biopsying the embryos, freezing them, seeing if there are any chromosomally normal ones and then transferring those. But it is controversial and um, certainly some people feel it's not worth doing because maybe rather than doing all of that, it's best just to make the embryos, transfer them one or two at a time in frozen cycles and see which ones implant. So there is controversy and as I said, it will vary slightly on, or very much in fact on the viewpoint of your clinic or the doctor that you're seeing. And just the last thing to say is PGD and PGS is the old terminology and things have moved away from that now. So um, it's all been rolled into PGT, so pre-implantation genetic testing. So PGT, and then you have a hyphen and then M um, for monosomic disease. And so most inherited diseases are monosomic, they affect one gene. So PGT-M is the new name for PGD. And PGS is now called PGT-A. The A stands for aneuploidy because we know that uh, many embryos that couples make, whether you make them naturally or with IVF, have the wrong numbers of chromosomes in. That's the reason for the drop-off in success rates as people get older and the increase in miscarriage rates. And an embryo with the wrong number of chromosomes in is called an aneuploid embryo. So therefore PGT-A is looking for aneuploid embryos. And the last type of PGT is something called PGT-SR. And that's SR stands for structural rearrangement. So the other time that we do genetic testing is if um, someone has a problem with their chromosomes, the right number of chromosomes, but a rearrangement of their chromosomes, something called a translocation or a structural rearrangement. So we have PGTM, PGTSR, both being done for inherited conditions, and um, PGTA being done for um, screening of embryos to look for ones with the right number of chromosomes. That's it, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show. I also hope you enjoyed the show. Um, please join us next week when we are talking about channeling your infertility woes into creativity. Ooh, with Anna German, who is an illustrator. Yeah, and um, a, a nice person. <laughs> All round fantastic person. All round fantastic person. Um, yeah, see you next week. See ya. Oh, wait, do we want to say thanks? Oh, yeah, I was just thinking that. Um, yeah, sorry. So, that just leaves us to say a few thank yous. Thanks to Will and Charissa. Thanks to Will and Charissa. Thanks to Liz and Nick. Thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast. Thanks to Professor Tim for being an absolute legend. And that's it. We'll see you next week. See you next week, guys. Bye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.